0: one more time. True North
1: Church! Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, Share uplifting stories and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of faith, community, and discovery together.
0: You know what he sees in me. But he loves me Hallelujah, who's glad that he loves you this morning, amen Hallelujah, that's a, that's a oldie but a goodie Thank you Jesus It's interesting because Friday on my way over here <clears throat> Friday after work, uh, we still had uh, some of the stuff from the chairs to clean up and, and just a few odds and ends, so as I was driving over here I was thinking about this series that we've been in. We've been in the series called "Good Ground." Somebody say "Good Ground," and with "Good Ground," we've we've looked at the parable that Jesus tells of the the farmer and the sower, and how the the farmer will sow seeds on different types of ground. and And if you look at it in Matthew thirteen, if you if you haven't had a chance to listen or or hear those messages. I encourage you to go to the to the church's podcast and and start with week one because this has probably been one of the most transformative series we've done. Excuse me. But Jesus tells this story about how there's this farmer that sows seeds, and I'm not a farmer. We've talked that talked about that before. I'm the I, I I appreciate the farmer so much. I'd rather go to Walmart and buy what the farmers already sowed. But he says there's this farmer that sows the seed into the ground and not just one, but multiple seeds. And he he sows on different types of ground. But Jesus gives these scenarios where birds come and eat the seed or 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 the seed falls on thorns or it falls in the ground. But where it fell, the roots aren't deep enough. So therefore, there's no fruit that produces. But towards the end of it, he says, but then there was seed that fell on good ground and the good ground that it that it fell on. Once it came harvest time, it produced a fruit that remained in all seasons. Now, what's so cool about this is, you know, during the winter time, it's hard to go to Walmart or Food Giant or wherever you go get groceries. It's hard to find produce. It's hard to find all the types of produce when it's ripe during the winter because there's some fruits or some vegetables that don't grow good in the winter, but they grow better in the spring or they grow better in the summer. But Jesus says the thing that He wants to do in you. It, it, it's, it, it's not bound by seasons. It's not bound by the woes of your life. It's not bound by if it's payday or if it's the week before payday. It's not bound by if the car is running good or now you got to throw the car in the shop. What he wants to do in your life, it's not bound by what we are bound by. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Still in Matthew chapter 13. We're on the series, Good Ground. This is week five. But we're going to be opening up in verses 44 through 46. And like I said, I encourage you to go back and 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 listen to this because that's our prayer this morning. That's the prayer for this house. And even though everybody isn't here, I'm so glad that you are here. Amen. Look at the person beside you. Even if they came with you, say, I'm so glad you're here. It, you got to give them a smile. Give them a smile. I'm so glad you're here. Lindsay, you don't know they were struggling this morning, keeping me late. Don't It don't matter. Listen, my kids are in the back, and I have to look at them at one point and be like, I'm so glad you're here. Even though you keep fighting your brother, I'm so glad we are here. You know, amen. Amen, amen. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. You may have heard this story before, but if you're not, if this is your first time hearing it, I am honored that uh, we get to be a part of that. Amen. One of the reasons we read the Bible is because this is, this is God, not just some people like to say it's God's instruction to man. It's more than that. It's his encouragement. It's his inspiration. It's his words to you. If I, you know, I remember back when my grandpa was alive, you know, one time we, uh, back when we had, uh, well, we had two dogs or back then we, yeah, we had two dogs and we was getting ready to go on a trip. And I remember uh, me and Kelsey, you know nobody else in the family was big dog people, but Grandpa was a was a dog person so we we, we left them with him, and we you know uh, we left instructions for him and Shadron and d j and whoever else, even Ashley if she wanted to pitch in. We left instructions on how to take care of our dogs, like hey, they like this type of food if you, you know if you take them out at this time of the day and this 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 is what you expect it was you know it was just this uh, you know notebook piece of paper, but it had instructions on how. Uh, how to take care of them, and it was all—it was all, it was all uh, curtailed or catered towards their benefit. You know, this Bible—it's—it's it's not just instructions; it's not just a list of do's and don'ts, but it's—it's it's curtailed for you to thrive on the earth. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, Jesus—he tells us—he says, "Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this." He said, a person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field, just so he can have the treasure. Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl he immediately gave up all that he had in exchange for it amen there's this movie and you know if you've heard my mom talk about my mom talks about the chosen I'm not playing you the chosen this morning so you got to worry about that but there's this movie uh, it's called testament and in the movie testament it's more of a uh, 2024 version of all Jesus's parables and this morning we're going to play a clip that kind of lines up with this scripture so if you have it queued up if you don't mind I love it because it's it's a retelling of the scripture. Just to give you some context again, Jesus said, Heaven's kingdom can be illustrated like a person who discovered that there was a hidden treasure in a field. And upon finding it, he hid it again because uncovering such a treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field. I love this because in Matthew 13, so Jesus talks about how the field is the world. So in this picture that we just watched, this, this man, he's running, he's jogging, he's doing more than me. I'm not a runner, not a jogger. I'm a watcher. I'm a sitter. I'm an observer. But he, and he, he, he trips over this treasure that's buried in this field. And according to Jesus, the man that found this treasure, that's Jesus. And I remember last night when I was showing this to mom and showing this to Kelsey, they were like, mom's like, I want. why did the clip at the end? I want to see what's in the box. And I was like, I can tell you what's in the box. And she said, what is it? I said, are you ready? And she said, well, I said, go look in the mirror. Because according to Jesus in this scripture, he said that there is a treasure that's hidden and he sells everything, he gives everything that he has for this treasure. I don't know if you knew this but you are that treasure that's in the box it's you despite what you've done despite what you know what your past looks like but at the end of the day you are that treasure you are the one that he gives his life for and i want you to notice like in that in that small film the field is very big this world that we live in it is very big and it is very overwhelming at times you turn on the news, it gets overwhelming. There's sometimes, you know, there's sometimes where we'll flip on the news. I don't like too much, but the company I'm with, they'll turn the news on. And it, the first monologue. It's just so overwhelming. It's problem after problem after problem after problem. And I don't know if you knew this, but we're in election year this year. So therefore everybody points to this side or that side. You got to be this side at work. Lindsay, what side do you vote for? What side do you agree with? What side doesn't matter? I, I Listen, if you wanted to know my viewpoints, my viewpoints is in line with heaven's viewpoints. The side I line with is the side that says, hey, hey, put others before yourself. Hey, 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 be okay with knowing and trusting. If nobody else gives you an applause, all of heaven is cheering you on. That, that's the side I line with. And the world we live in, represented by the field, it is so vast, it is so big. <clears throat> but we're that treasure. See, if you, if you look up the word treasure, it's defined as something of great worth or value. And in the parable, the man proves that this mysterious treasure is something of great worth and value because him and his wife, they sold everything. They sold everything to the point like they gave away their car, gave away the house, gave away a, you know uh jewelry whatever was worth monetary value you think about it this morning i don't know i don't know what you hold as value in your home or or if it's your vehicle or whatever it is but you think about you know just just take 30 seconds and think about all the things that you're like yeah this is this is something i'm proud of it holds value you now there i don't you know there's a few items that i have like you know our uh our boys we started a we you know i've started with them a sports card collection just cuz as a kid in the 90s that's what we did. We collect the sports cards. We we had a reason to because there's there's greats like Michael Jordan playing. You had a reason to collect sports cards. Now it's like, ah. But, you know, they want to relive daddy's childhood. So they've started this sports card collecting. And, you know, we we collect a few cards for them and stuff like that. And I, I found my collection in the storage unit. So I got it out and we opened it and I'm showing them. And it's funny because you know, 30-something years later, my mindset is still the same. My best cards are in the back on a separate page. You know, so they're looking at them. They're like, who's this? I'm like, pointing to it. This is a Hall of Famer. This is a Hall of Famer. And I recognize we're getting close to the page. I said, hold on, boys. I said, go wash your hands real quick. Make sure they're clean. Dry them, sponge them, all that. we got to make sure they're clean. We're about to get to the page. And we flip over, flip over the little book, flip over to the page. I said, this is daddy's greatest collection right here. And at the very top. The goat himself, and there he was, tongue out, skyhook, tomahawk, dunk, and then Net's Penny Hardaway, Net's all my favorite players that I looked up to, Hakeem, the dream Elijah, well, all these different players. And I just felt a sense of pride and a sense of proudness as I'm And the, of course, the boys, they had the most confused look, but they look at me and see that their father is happy and they can't help but smile, because this is something of value to me. And even to my wife, she's looking at us like, wow, Sam, like, hey, don't touch. We don't touch. Even though are in the clear cases, you know, we, we, we don't touch. And even the middle one's like, hey, Daddy, can we go show something? No. Can we take this to school? No. This goes back in Daddy's room. And if you go in our room, look, it's sitting on, you know, even though it was in storage unit, it was in a safe Tupperware, or not Tupperware, but like a sealed box, while the other stuff was just in cardboard box. This was in the sealed Along with the sealed box was a few other valuable things. But Jesus says that, our, you, know, the, the, you know, put yourself in his shoes. If you found something greater than anything that you possess, you would give all that you have for it. Why? Because some, there's, there's this other thing that I found, it is so much greater. And what's crazy is I've never been to China. I've never been to Paris. Yes, I've been to Paris, Tennessee, but I've never been to the real Paris. Not the real Paris. I've never been, you know, I've never been to Ireland or Scotland. I would love to go. And if I'm God, I'm thinking all of those treasures, that's treasure. But the Bible says that even though he's created the mountains, even though he's created the vast seas and the vast oceans, still there's only one thing that is the apple of his eye. And that's who you see in the mirror. You are the apple of his eye. And what's crazy, a mountain, a mountain can't tell a lie. You know, a tree can't cheat or, or you, know, a, uh, the, 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 you know, all the seven wonders of the world, they can't go rob or steal or, or betray, but we have the ability to do so. And still the Bible says that we are the apple of his eye. We're that treasure that he gives everything for. Amen. Jesus is the man in this parable. He's the, he's the man represented in the scene that we watched. He's the man who sold all that he owned, leaving his exalted place of glory in heaven to come and pay for the sin of the whole world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7. You don't have to turn there, but Paul says, He says, and consider this example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. And what is that? He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seize equality with God as his supreme prize. In fact, verse 7 says that he emptied himself on his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. In other words, Lindsay, what does that mean? Paul is saying literally that Jesus was in heaven. Now, if you're in heaven, you're good. There's, there's nothing that you can desire or want because you have it all. And the Bible says that he was in heaven, but he's seen something that he wanted. There was something that, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that they desired more that wasn't in heaven. And that was us. To the point that the Bible says that Jesus stepped out of heaven and put on flesh and bone and became the incarnate Word of God. He became Jesus and and walked the same roads that we walked, lived the same type of life we live, breathe in the same type of prayer. He was, he, was, he was prone to sickness. He was prone to disease. He was prone to bruises and cuts and all these different things. Same thing that we are prone to. And again, Jesus is the, the man in the parable who gave all of it away. In fact, Romans chapter 5, 8, Paul says, he says, while we were deep in our sin, Christ died for us. While we were deep in our sin, Christ died for us. While we were deep in all the type of things that we were deep in, he still gave his life for us. He is that man that sees in the field, hey, there's something afar off that I want. And I love it because in, this, in the film that we watch, it never shows what the treasure is. But when we look in the scripture, we get to see that we are that treasure. See, watch this. We experience heaven's kingdom realm when we realize what a, great pli- uh, what a great price Jesus paid for us. Let me say that again. You experience heaven when you realize the price that Jesus paid for you. You experience heaven. You want to experience heaven? You experience heaven when you realize what a great price he paid for you. See, I remember the first time I went to Disney World. And growing up we would and this just dates myself, but growing up we would we'd you know, we would get the VHS tape in the mail, and we watch it over and over, we plan and we dream. You know, and that was back when I was a kid, but we did the first time we went to Disney World, I was 21, 22 years old. So from eight year old to twenty-two year, that's that's a long gap. But I remember when we walked to Disney, when we got inside the gate, I ain't gonna lie, I, I like to pretend to be manly, but your boy kind of shed a couple tears shed a couple tears. You know, I hate It's a Small World after all. I hate that song, but when I heard it the first time, I was like, that's it. That's really it. You know, you got all the, I'm not a Mickey Mouse fan. I could care less about Mickey, but when Mickey walked up, I was like, I was hopping. What's up, Mickey? How you doing? Give me a hug. Why? Because this is, it was a dream come true. It was something that I had longed for, but never was able to access. And the same goes for God and you. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, he had a plan and a purpose for us. From the very beginning, he had a desire for us to be one with us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, it tells that God says that, hey, there will come a day where they will be my people and I will be their God. I will write my laws and I will write my words upon their heart." From the very beginning, he has desired us. And what the devil loves to do, he loves to use life to distract us and make us feel the opposite. Make us feel like, okay, this has happened and that has happened and that has happened. Therefore, why should I pray? Why should I go to church? Why should I seek God? Why? Because I've done too much or I've missed too much or, or it, it's, it just miss me with that. The devil loves to put those kind of seeds in our minds. And in the parable, I love it because just like in the movie, the man, he rehid the treasure. And see, that's symbolic for the rehiding of the treasure. It's a, it's a hint of our new life in Christ. It's a hint of our new life in Christ. You can look it up. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Because I'm a dad, I love to do object lessons. It's the best way my children learn. I was trying to grab a clear gas, glass, but that's the only way I could find but I want you to imagine, the Bible says that we are, we're hidden in Christ. Somebody say, I'm hidden in Christ. So think about it this way. This little yellow car, stole it from my kids, don't tell them, they'll be upset. But this is you. Just imagine that this is you. Lindsay, this is unconventional. That's right, because I'm an unconventional person. This is you. Now, the moment that we get, the moment we give our life to Christ, immediately you are hidden in him. Now, I want you to imagine that this cup, this is Christ. You're hidden in him. Ideally, if people see you, they're supposed to see Christ first. So therefore, the words that you say, it's supposed to show Christ. It's supposed to reflect Jesus. Now, here's the greatest thing right here. It's not the greatest thing. It's the second greatest thing. But when we're hidden in Christ, we're filled with him. We're filled with his spirit. And this water represents his spirit. Therefore, not only, so when this car moves, the only reason it's able to move is because there's water that enables it to move. And Paul said it best, or Luke said it best in Acts chapter 17, 28, we live, we move, we have our being in his spirit. So now we have ourselves, we have Christ, and we have the spirit. But it gets better. Somebody say it gets better. What about the hand that's holding it all together? Woo! That's the hand of God. And when you have given your life to Christ, you are in the palm of his hands. That when people see you, not only do they see you, but they see Christ and, and you're living and you're moving and you're being your existence. It's because the spirit is enabling you to do so. And you're held together by the hand of God. So when it feels like the bottom is about to fall out, guess what? The bottom is down here, but you're nowhere near. Why? Because you're held in the hand of God. When storms come, they got to penetrate Jesus first. And guess what? You can't penetrate a God that can rise from the dead. When anything happens in your life, it's first got to come through this. This is what our life is meant to look like. And guess what? The car, it's not doing anything but just being, just being the car. The responsibility of its life is dependent on the water. It's dependent on the glass. It's dependent on me holding it. The responsibility of your life is meant to be on Jesus. Does it mean that we, okay, Lindsay, does that mean I don't work a job? No, you work a job. Does that mean I don't take care of this and that? No, you take care of those things. But you have to understand everything that you are responsible for, Jesus is responsible for that as well. So the pressures that we allow to, that we, that we bring upon ourselves, put those pressures back on God. We said it last week, and we said it multiple times, but a lot of times when we get consumed with us trying to do it, us trying to make it work, us trying to figure out how this is going to work, how this is going to come together, when is this going to happen, when is that going to happen, the kids want this, how am I going to make this happen? When we get consumed with all those different things, we, take, we remove ourselves from all that setup. up. And now we're responsible for it again. Last time I checked, I can't bear that type of pressure. I need somebody that can uphold me and give me the type of wisdom. Give me the type of words to say to my kids when they act out. Give me the type of wisdom to make my finances stretch, not just to the next payday, but for the next five years. Give me the type of wisdom to be a better husband. Give me the type of wisdom to be a better employee. Give me the type of wisdom to be a better pastor. Give me the type of wisdom to do whatever it is that we are walking in life through. That's his desire, not just to discover you in the middle of a field, but to hold you, to enable you, to restore you, to sustain you. What is it you're walking through this morning? You're not meant to walk through it alone. You never were. You never were meant to walk through it alone. See, in order to be good ground, we we have to know how God feels about us. See, in order to be good ground, in order to be that good ground that isn't affected by the seasons, seasons of life, you got to know how God feels about you. So to know that he views us as that treasure that he will give everything for. Lindsay, why do we need to know that? Number one, knowing how God feels about you, knowing how much he loves you. It's why we sang that earlier. He loves me how my Jesus loves me. Sometimes it's good to meditate on the fact that, you know what, I'm not perfect but still he loves me anyway. The the song says literally, I don't know what he sees in me. There's some days where I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you see in this, in this uh, tall glass of chocolate milk. I don't know why you gave your life for me. Lord, you know, Lord, you know what I'm like when I ain't had coffee. Lord, you know what I'm like if I ain't had enough sleep. Lord, you know what I'm like come Monday versus Friday. Lord, I don't know what you see in me, but still you loved me. And here's why we need to know why Jesus loves us. Number one, you stop mindlessly searching. See, knowing how he loves you, it ends the search. Somebody say, it ends the search. The search. My wife isn't here this morning. because our baby was sick. But, you know, I remember back when we were dating, she would love this, the fact that I'm bringing up a, a, an old school story. But I remember when we was dating. I had feelings for her. She had feelings for me. But, you know, if you, ask her, if you ask her side of the story, her feelings were always stronger. She always made that first move. She did it. But she's not here. So you only get my side. You get the right side. No, I'm joking. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you compare sides, most of the time you're going to believe hers because I skip out details. Just because I, I give you the cliff notes. You want the, I give you the trailer. I like trailers. Don't, don't have a whole lot of time for the two, three hour movies. Nope. you get the trailer with me. But I remember the moment I found out how she felt about me, the search was over for me. For her, the search was over, but for me, the search was over. I was like, oh, wait, you you feel like this. The search for me trying to find somebody that was going to listen to me was over. The, The search for trying to find somebody that would accept the nerd version of me was over. Why? Because I found out how she loved me. See, when we find out how Christ loves us, you will stop searching in the wrong places for the wrong things. When we find out how, uh, how much he loves us and why he loves us, and even down to the very details, we will stop pursuing things that we were never meant to pursue. We will stop putting time and energy in places and people that don't have our best interests in heart. See, when you know how he loves you and why he loves you, the search stops. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on your phone and looking on TikTok or looking on social or looking on the news or whatever it is, whatever you use to to scroll on your phone and you're just searching and scrolling because you're bored and trying to find that video, trying to find this, trying to find something to pass the time with Jesus, you ain't got to do that. You ain't got to seek everybody else for advice when you can just say, Holy Spirit, tell me how to do this one thing. Holy Spirit tell me how to talk to this person. Holy Spirit tell me how to help tell me how to hold my tongue. Lord, you know what they're saying to me. You know how they trigger me. Tell me how to not go off, Lord. Lord, tell me how to not give them that lightning, Lord, cuz you know I can do it, Jesus. Lord, give me the wisdom to do it. Amen? Amen. Number 2, knowing how he loves us, it will quell your fear. I love that phrase. It quells your fears. See, if you you look up in the dictionary quail, it means to thoroughly overwhelm and reduce to submission. Oh, I could preach this this morning. It means to thoroughly overwhelm and bring to submission. So when you know how Jesus loves you, it brings your fears to submission. In other words, we we have sung it before, but literally what makes you tremble, Jesus makes that tremble. What makes you scared, Jesus makes it scared. Think of it this way, you know, if a, you know if, if, if a kid is picking on my kid, when I come into the room, that kid becomes afraid of my kid's father. The same way it goes with you. Whatever has caused you to tremble, whatever has caused you to doubt, whatever is causing insecurity and anxiety, Jesus makes those things tremble. Jesus makes the darkness tremble. Jesus literally steps into our pit, and he shuts the mouth of everything that tries to devour us he quells your fear. And when we know how much he loves us, we're not scared anymore. When we know how much he loves us, we're not afraid anymore. When we know that he is the lion that's on the front and the back of us, on every side of us, we will not be afraid anymore. When we know that we can't escape his love no matter what we do, how we do, when we do, then guess what? That fear begins to subside and it comes into submission. Somebody say submission. I love this. So number three, a reason we need to know how much he loves us, a reason you need to know that you are the treasure that he gave everything for. Number three is because it enables you to forgive freely. That's a word nobody likes to talk about, forgive. Oh, we love to receive forgiveness. Oh, receiving forgiveness, that's great. Will you forgive me? We had an incident this morning with our middle son, and he was like, he's like, I don't know if you'll forgive me. Yes, I'll forgive you. Yes, your mother will forgive you. Yes, you should not have said that. Yes, if I was a kid and I would have said that, bro, I'll be on the ground. You better, the Lord is real because you are standing right now. Sometimes I wish we had a time machine just so I could take them back and just show them an overview. Let's, just a side note, that we, uh, what, what, we made, uh, what did we make the other night? I think we made tacos. Made tacos. Tacos are fun. Tacos are, you know, light. As a kid, I didn't get tacos. Got tacos at Kwood School, and that was the only time. Didn't get no tacos. And, you know, we're going home or whatever, driving home, and Kel's like, hey, what are we are going to have for dinner? I'm like, we're going to have tacos. I don't want tacos. I was like, are you kidding me? Bruh. That, that, that's what you know the holiness left out when it's like, bruh, instead of son. Instead of, co- bruh, are you kidding me? I said, you know what we're gonna do? I said, next week, we're gonna eat everything daddy had to eat as a kid. You're gonna eat pinto beans, you're gonna eat some brown beans, white, lima beans, if it's a bean, you're gonna eat it, except for coffee bean. I said, and guess what, you're gonna eat purple whole peas. You're gonna eat black-eyed peas. You know why they got a black eye? Because it makes you wanna give yourself a black eye when you gotta eat it. I said, you and you're gonna get one tiny piece of chicken, and guess what, I'm gonna sit at the table and make sure you eat all that plate, and you can't get up until it's done. No, I don't want that. I said, oh, you going to have that? I said, Daddy didn't get tacos. I promise you are living good, son. Living good in the hood. Over here complaining about a taco. He said, no, I want the taco. Oh, you want the taco now? <laughs> oh, you want the taco? I said, too late. You going to get the taco, but next week we're going, and we're getting the canned beans. Not the fresh. Not the, not the produce where the water falls on it, and we all, you know, all the kids are like, yeah, it's raining on the, no, you getting the cans straight cans, and you're going to, and you're going to, it's going to make you enjoy what you got. It's going to make you enjoy these tacos. Got me messed up. <laughs> so y'all pray for our house. <laughs> I'm having to forgive their attitudes when they have it good and they don't realize how good they are. I'm, I'm, But understanding how much he loves me, it enables me to forgive. Understanding how much God loves you, it enables you to forgive even the worst thing that's happened to you. Listen, I don't know the worst thing that's happened to you. I'm pretty sure if I gave, if I gave you a Sharpie, we could all fill the walls of all the offenses, all the things that you've had to walk through, all the unfairness in your life, all the things that nobody knows about. But with Jesus, there's this strength that comes through him to forgive that person. There's, there's sometimes where I'm scrolling and I'll see somebody and I'll remember something they did to me and I'm instantly, I can feel, I can feel my BP rising. And where we've been fasting and where we've been focused on good ground, I, I can feel that shift to the point where I'm like, Lord, you know what? Help me forgive them. Help me forgive them. There's one of the greatest quotes that says, you know, holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to bitterness. It's like you, it's like you drinking poison but hoping the other person gets sick. That's what we do. You don't know what they did to me. It feels good though to be mad. I bet it does feel good until you go to the doctor and they're like, hey, your BP is too high. Your body will shut down if you keep trying to function in this level. If your physical body is not meant to function in that, what do you think your spirit man is going to do? How much, how much more do you think your spirit man is, is going to be able to thrive in that? He's not, or she's not. With Jesus, knowing how much he loves us, it gives us the strength to forgive freely. And I say freely, not the, so if you're forgiven freely, that means you can forgive whether they ask for it or not. That's the biggest thing right there. Well, you know, what? Like if they ask me, if they come up to me, admit they was wrong, then I'll forgive them. That, 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 that's our loophole. That's our, in your, yeah, yeah, feels good, yeah. But no, with Jesus, can you forgive them whether they say anything or not, whether they admit that they're wrong or not? Any married couples in the room, you know how it is. I'll speak for the husbands. But, you know, man, Lord, you better work on her. You know she's wrong. You know, Kelsey, you know, Lord, you know I was right. You know my side of the coin is the only side of the coin, and she's not even in the piggy bank. Where is she at, Lord? Bring her back into submission. Show her she's wrong, Jesus. And, Lord, show her she's wrong, and then make her come up and say, you know what, I was wrong. Don't work like that. It don't work like that. But with jesus the prayer changes our prayer language changes to you know what lord i feel like i was right but if i'm not show me and lord if i'm not give me the strength to ask for forgiveness regardless if she says it or not lord give me the strength to ask for forgiveness even if my boss never admits that he or she was wrong lord give me the strength to to forgive give me the strength to let it go give me the strength to remove uh to to move on amen Number four, avoid contention. Knowing how much Jesus loves us, it it enables us to avoid contention, a.k.a. confidently avoiding competition or competition. I love that. When we know how much Jesus loves us, we can confidently avoid competing with everybody else. We can look at somebody else doing good and not instantly see it as a competition not instantly compare, not instantly get jealous, not instantly get sidetracked, not instantly be like, Lord, if you're doing it for them, where's mine at? Lord, where's my blessing? Lord, you know, I showed up to church that Sunday. Wasn't about five people in there and I came, and Lord, still, they're over there and they're, they're living it up. Why me, Jesus? But when we know that we're the treasure in the field that he gave everything for, when we see somebody else doing good, we're not worried about it because we're like, no, I'm, I'm still the treasure. I'm still the treasure that he gave everything for. May not I may not look like it at times. My 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 vehicle may not reflect it at times, or or my job may not reflect it at times, or my home may not look like the treasure, but still at the end of the day, I am the one that he got on the cross for. I am the one that he hung his head for. I am the one that the Bible says that he went into the belly of the earth. I am the one that three days later he rose again and rose with all power in his hands. I am the one that he sits on the right side of heaven, interceding for me daily. You are that treasure. Treasure. Listen, if you don't get anything this morning, you got to see yourself as the treasure. Why? Because it's going to cause you, it's going to strengthen you to forgive people. It's going to strengthen you to not compete with everybody. It's going to strengthen you to understand that you are the best. You are the head and not the tail. It's going to strengthen you to do all the things that you should be doing. Number five, is going to strengthen, it's going strength, to renew that strength. It's going to renew that strength. Number six, it's going to help. And bless others. Lindsay, how's knowing how much he loves me, going to help and bless somebody else? Because if you are aware of the gospel, you'll share the gospel. If you're aware of something that's good in life, you'll share it. Because see, naturally, you know, naturally when something good happens to us, we can't help but share it. You know, we may live in Lexington, but I, you know, instantly when somebody says, hey, I'm going to Nashville, I will message them and say, hey, let me tell you what restaurants to hit up. Because I've experienced some good restaurants in Nashville. If you don't know anything about me, I love to eat. I love to eat and I love to drink coffee. And I remember a few a few years ago, Kellen's seven, so we'll say six years ago. One time for my birthday, I just I said, hey, I just want us to go spend a weekend in Nashville. Without any kids, we're on our own agenda. Ain't got to eat no pinto beans or lima beans. We're going to eat whatever we want, when we want. Ain't got to worry about the judge, the shade, none of that. And we did. And I remember, literally, it was just my dream. Let's walk down, down the street, and I see this Indian restaurant. Let's go eat there. We'll go eat there. You know, as we're walking past that, you know, see a bakery with some donuts. Let's go get some donuts. Let's go get some let's just Let's just live and be free. And I'm one of those that if I enjoy something, I jot it down. And even though that was six years ago, still to this day, there's a, there's a breakfast restaurant. And I recommend it to everybody. A few of y'all have tried it, and y'all knew I wasn't lying. But, you know, anytime I hear somebody say, I'm going to Nashville for breakfast, I'm like, all right, you need to carve out some time. I'm going to give you the directions. In fact, you know what? I could give you my number. You could put it in and get my reward points. Don't worry. I'll be back eventually to build it up. That's That's how much I'm committed to it. Why? Because it's something good that I have experienced. When we experience something good, naturally we share it. When you experience the goodness of God, you are supposed to share it. When you experience that love, that agape love, you are supposed to share it. When you experience forgiveness from even the worst things of you, know, you are supposed to share it. Amen. And when we realize how much he's loved us, guess what? We'll begin to share it. Lindsay, who am I supposed to share it? We'll start with the person in the house with you. Or start with the coworkers. Or start with the boss that you are so not ready to see tomorrow. Start with that one relative that you avoid every holiday or whatever it is. Or better yet, we've talked about this before. Pray and ask God, hey, Lord, who do you want me to share your goodness with? Lord, is it the person in, behind me in the drive-thru line? Is that, uh, okay, oh, okay, Lord, you want me to pay for their meal? Okay, sure. And then don't, don't just pay for the meal and then wait for them to get by and be like, it was me. I need a thank you. Come to church Sunday. No. That's not why we're meant to share the goodness. We're meant to share the goodness of God so people can see him, amen, so people can see him. The whole point of this is for us to become aware of how he loves us, how he loves us, how he loves us. Why, because life becomes better when you realize that you're loved, when you realize that you're the treasure. Bills will still be due, yes. The car may have to go in the shop, yes. Different repairs may have to happen. Tactics may come back, may not come back. Doesn't mean that life becomes a, 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 a forever loop of sunshines and rainbows and you can eat and never gain weight, no. What it means is understanding the fact that he loves me and even though I can't see why he loves me, but still he gave it all for me. It changes my perspective on my life. It makes me grateful instead of hateful. Mm. it makes me more grateful than hateful it makes me more appreciative than depressive and it makes me a joy to be around versus being alone because nobody wants to be around that amen repeat it to me say Lord make me aware of how you love me according to Ephesians 118 open the eyes of my heart that I may live my life seeing myself the same way you see me.
1: Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.